Hey, everybody, this is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and of course, the riddles of human nature. We can't go without our riddles. On this episode, Mom reviews the classic film, It's a Wonderful Life. Let's bring Mom in now. Mom, how you doing? I'm great. Hi, Johnny. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Isn't it fun recording a podcast? Oh, my God. I would recommend it to nobody. Yeah. So, Mom and I have had... Let me explain a little bit. So... You hear mom speaking on the phone, and she's actually on the phone for almost all of our podcasts, and I've liked that. Over the years, I like the fact uh, that the podcast sounds like you're calling home to mom, that that sound is incorporated into the into the sound of the podcast. Um, but the last few weeks, our phone-to-Skype connection has been uh, hinky, so recording has been a little a little difficult, hasn't it? So last week, I think I stitched together a podcast from four separate recording sessions over two days. And I was determined to get it done because I'll tell you, Mom, the last the first time you gave your checks mix out over the on the podcast, I said, hey, hey, don't worry, we'll be back next week. We just got to figure some stuff out. And then we just never came back. Um, right. and I felt terrible about that. So you gave your checks mix recipe out a couple weeks ago and then we were having so much trouble with the next one and I felt like it was the curse of the Chex Mix recipe yeah. and I was so determined to get an episode up last week because I just was like I'm not going to let the Chex Mix recipe sink me again so a you will never be giving that recipe out again on the podcast no it's delicious Chex Mix but it just doesn't go with pod there's some curse when it's attached to podcasts but we do have a few people we have to send some out to yeah. Oh, yes. You're still going to make it. And uh, I'll get to that in just a moment, in fact, okay. um, what you're referring to. But uh, you're still going to make it, I hope, because it's one of my favorite parts of the holiday season. I have tons of it already made up and more to come. <laughs> it seems, but it seems to exert a special power over the production of the podcast. It does. Um, and given that we were a bit uh, scattered and punchy uh, last week, we made a couple errors. First of all, um, I mangled the lyrics to the uh, sisters song and I oh. I mangled more than the lyrics, uh, but uh, the lyrics I are... thought we sounded exactly like the film. <laughs> you can, it was flawless. I said, God save uh, the mister and God save my sister. And that's a little biblical for it's I think it's Lord help. Uh, it, yes, it right? is. And I I said God, too. So Well, you uh, you said Lord the first time, and then you sort of tagged along with me because you thought I was right, but I was wrong. Um, but we were even uh, because you insisted before the podcast that the name of the recently yeah. deceased puppeteer who played Oscar the Grouch in Big Bird on Sesame Street was Carol Spiney. Now, Mom and I had a conversation before we started taping, and I said, boy, I think it's Spinney. And Mom could not have been more insistent that it was Spiny. Yep. And she said, Johnny, I watched the documentary. It's Spiny. Um, yeah. And uh, in fact, it's Spinny. It is. Now, how did it you is. watch an entire documentary about the man and come away with not only the impression, but the firmly held impression that his name was Spiny? I, I have no explanation. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> it's very odd. I mean, I could swear that somebody specifically said it and I wrote it down and I said, there, now you have it. And, uh, you know, I'll, 
I have no idea. I've never said it that way myself. So I have no idea. I got nothing. Those things happen, though. Well, maybe I I attribute it to age, which probably isn't fair. Yeah, it happens to me, too. Sometimes you just get the wrong idea in your head. Um, and it's yeah. So we've taken care of that. One other piece of old business I want to get to before we move on, and this is one that's really special. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Mom and I told you all about um, the Act Blue uh, sort of group of charities. It's called the group of charities is called Support Families Detained and Separated at the Border. Couldn't be a more apt name for what it is. The Sierra Club and Act Blue have put together a big bunch of charities, all of which are working in one form or another to help people who have been detained and separated at the border. And Mom and I have sort of, sort of adopted this bundle of charities for the holiday season just as a way for us to encourage our uh, very generous and thoughtful listeners to help someone who's less fortunate than all of us this uh, this holiday season. We've gotten your emails, and uh, so far we've raised more than $500 for um, the uh, Families Detained Charities. That's that's pretty significant to me, Mom. Wow. makes me feel pretty good. Yeah. Wow. So— Thank you so much. People who've sent in your emails, they're all being forwarded to mom and we'll, you know, you'll receive a response one way or another by the end of the holiday season. I'll get back to all of you because I just am so moved by the emails you've sent already. If you give a donation to this charity or whatever, you know, if, you, if there's something different in your heart this season, we want to hear about it. Just drop us an email, popmom at ological.net. That's popmom at ological.net. With a screenshot of your receipt or or whatever, we trust you. Or just telling us, just telling us that you did it, and we don't care yep. how much. Just tell us that you donated some. So let us know about your donations, and randomly selected listeners who do reach out to us uh, will receive some holiday Chex Mix from Mom. And oh boy, she does it good. We're not going to give out the recipe, but she makes a good Chex Mix. <laughs> um, but five hundred bucks is a pretty significant benchmark to me from our listener base. I'm just, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much, each and every one of you. Yep. Well, speaking of Chex Mix, I went to the supermarket on Sunday, or someday. I'm very confused as to when Christmas actually is. <laughs> but I went to get some more Worcestershire sauce, and I got four bottles of it. And oh, the clerk said, what are you making? <laughs> and I said, well, Chex Mix. And she said, and you use Worcestershire sauce? Mm. And I said, yes. You know, and the garlic powder and the onion powder. And oh, she said, I I never really, she said, you're giving me some ideas here. And I thought, well, what is she making? Because she is not making Chex Mix. Well, there's all sorts of recipes now, though, right? Really? Does the recipe on the box still include Worcestershire sauce? Well, if it doesn't, it's not the recipe. But she just uses butter. <laughs> <laughs> so here's your buttered cereal. Yum. Oh, no, that's not that's not right. <laughs> that's that's not good. Well, I felt like a genius. She was so impressed with my uh, recipe. <laughs> she was like, oh, you put ingredients in your mix? Wow, I never thought of that. 
Yeah. So that's pretty funny, <laughs> I thought. So I, I also wanted to tell you this. My sister goes to a Christmas party with an acquaintance at an acquaintance's house every year. Mm. Um, and she always talks about how great it is, how great the food is, how beautiful this woman's house is. And I said, well, be sure and take pictures. Oh, I will, she says. So she goes to the party and she puts up two pictures. One is a picture of a newel post that's pretty ornate. And the other is about 10 to 12 feet away from a small table of treats. These are the only two pictures she puts up. So I wait a little while and thinking she's going to put some more pictures up. And finally, I said to her, these pictures couldn't be less festive or less indicative of this party that you talk about every year. Is this it? And she just said to me, uh, well, my I didn't charge my phone. But I said to her, why did you put these two pictures up? They're horrible. A Newell post. Merry Christmas. I don't know what a Newell post is. Oh, it's the big post at the end of a stair rail thing. Uh-huh. A banister? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Do you know what a banister is? Between the two of us, we can put a stairway together. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes! How many podcast hosts does it take to build a stairway? Well, at least two, as it turns out. I was so proud of myself that I remembered yeah, that word. I'm impressed too. I, I didn't know that one, but oh, you missed it. See, isn't that the, always the way? You get the hard stuff down, but the easy stuff is uh, that's right escapes you. Um, so that's sure, right. her phone was dying, and she just had time to take these two boring pictures. And she put them up. That's the thing. I don't mind. You know, I understand your phone not being charged. Yeah, yeah. but. I put these two pictures up then. And why? I went to a Christmas party. Here's a picture of the step and and, uh, and over in the distance, you can see some snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Even if your phone was dying, why would those be the photos you take? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, maybe it was going to be a showcase of all the beautiful features this house has. I, you know, that's the kind of thing that makes me laugh. And she probably thought sense. it was, she thought nothing of it, I assume, right? She thought nothing of it because that's how she yeah. is. Yeah. A podcast with her opinions on pop culture would be pretty much the opposite of this one, right? <laughs> was that fair to say? Because she'd just be like, oh, it's fine. And everything. Yeah. 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 Although I tell you, she does read People magazine. So she she's up on all the the... People that are in that magazine, which I looked at, I went to the hairdressers this weekend. I don't know anybody in there. Oh, I, I stand corrected. I do know all the people that died. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good. That makes you feel good, doesn't it? Doesn't it, though? Ugh. Now, I did want to tell you something else before we get to our review. Yeah. I, uh, since... Since Leo and Eve seem to like the Berenstain Bear books, I was going to go on Amazon and have a 
two or three of them sent to the house that were about Christmas. Mm -hmm. Leo and Eve are my kids. For, uh, and I went on uh, Amazon and then I started to read the descriptions. And the first one I picked out was trim the tree. Mm -hmm. Very great, right? Yep. And then I read the description and it's that the bears go out to the woods to pick the perfect tree. And along the way, they meet squirrels and all kinds of animals that live in the tree. And so they decide not to cut a tree down. And and I thought, oh, my God, now we're going to get into the plastic controversy. And should we have a real tree? Should we have a fake tree? And I, so I didn't order them anything. <laughs> well, I got so pissed off at the Berenstain Bears. You know, why can't why can't we just have a I, I don't know. If that's the if that's what your story is, I hate it. Huh? I'm looking at Berenstein Bears trim the tree right now, and uh, the cover shows the bear family um, around a Christmas tree, decorating it, trimming it, if you will. But yeah, you're saying that the story, in fact, ends up with them not getting a tree. Uh, well, I only read the little synopsis that they put on there. Oh, I see. Which says something about they find out all their animal friends live in the tree, and so it's better not to cut the tree down. And I just, I thought, I, I can't, I can't do it enough with the politics, because I, because I also, because I did I tell you this that that a friend's daughter lives in a little house and she, they can't have a live tree, so they went to target to get a fake tree and some woman came up to her and said oh you really shouldn't get a fake tree because plastic blah 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 oh, blah blah geez. and then her kids said to her why don't we have a real tree why can't we have a real tree and, uh, you know everything does not need to be complicated well you don't need to hassle people in target that's well, that's for sure. Probably not the best avenue to change the world. Like, I recognize that we all, or that hopefully many of us want to make the world a better place, but um, accosting a family at Target is not the way to do it. Well, I agree. And, you know, I don't need the, the Berenstain Bears to get all political on me. Well, in fairness, you haven't read the book. True. So... What am I supposed to think? You're supposed to think... Oh, well, I won't get this book, but I won't pass judgment on it because I haven't read it. I think that's the thing to think. Oh, that's ridiculous. How do you know? Maybe it, maybe Papa Bear says, hey, kids, shut up. We're chopping down this tree. And they chop yeah. it down and put it in the house. The hell with all your animal friends. We're killing this tree and dragging it home so we can look at it for seven days and then throw it out in the trash. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Well, it is a complicated situation since the Berenstein Bears already live in a tree. Well, isn't that true? Yeah, so they could just decorate their house and it would be two birds, right? Yeah. You'd have trimmed the house and the tree. Now, we might be overthinking the Berenstein Bears. We might be giving them a little more credit than they're due. Well, I think... So it, if any... Yeah. Anybody's read this book, we really should know the outcome. 
Okay, so if you have read the Berenstein Bears Trim the Tree, uh, let us know how it ends, because Mom really wants to know. <laughs> it's a lift the flap book I'm seeing, and so I think that the story might have been secondary. I think it's all about the flaps. Well, it's all about the flaps for the kids, but, you know, the parents read it, too. <laughs> well, if you're seeking entertainment from Berenstein Bears books, I think you're pretty hard up. Well, I have a very fond memory of a Berenstain Bear book that I was reading the first time I met Anna. Oh, wow. Do you remember that? No, I'm glad I've forgotten this. You came up, you came in the house with her, and I was sitting on the couch reading a Berenstain Bear book, and you said, Oh, Mom, there you are showing off your literary prowess, and here's Anna. Oh, my God. This is the first time I brought her home? Very first. Oh, this is my now wife uh, that mom is talking about. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad I at least uh, made a sarcastic remark. Yes, to, to, yes. I was. Yeah. I, I appreciated that, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't love Anna more, and you know that. You loved her from the get-go. I did. I was I was de I was going to have Merrick marry her if you didn't. <laughs> or somebody or Jenna, somebody was going to marry her. And what is it about the Berenstein Bears that makes that makes them so enduring? That I don't know. Right? And I don't know either. I mean, I and I say this as someone who loved the books as a kid and can can remember them. I read them so much, but why? I think they covered a, a, a lot of subjects that, that were, um, mm. if, if not the explanation, at least a doorway to talk about certain things, you know, being frightened or celebrating uh, different holidays um, and maybe taking, the, you know, going to the dentist, maybe taking the scare out of some of those things. Yeah, yeah, they do touch on, and they touch on a lot of, you know, there's a bunch of Christmas books. There's Halloween there. They talk on a lot, touch on a lot of cultural touchstones that kids are eager to know about. Yeah. The one I remember the most is the Berenstein Bears and Too Much TV. And I remember that there's a scene in that book where um, Papa is at a like an electronic store and they're they're abstaining from TV for a week. And he's sneaking a peek at TVs in the electronic store. And on one of the TVs in the electronic store is showing a game show. And I just being, remember being very little and not, you know, distinguishing between reality and fantasy entirely yet. And the lesson of the book is supposed to be, hey, don't watch so much TV. You know, there's other stuff to do. But yeah. all I took away from it is, oh, I really wish I could see that game show that Pop was watching. <laughs> <laughs> that so, was, you, so you never know what someone's going to come away with. Yeah, that was my main takeaway. It's just this That's hilarious. insatiable yearning to watch this mystery game show that Papa had glanced at in the in the store. So yeah. um, books work in mysterious ways. All right, so that's the Berenstein Bears. Shall we uh, get along to our review? Yes, we shall. All right. This week, Mom and I are talking about It's a Wonderful Life. Frank Capra's 1946 Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, was not an instant hit. But in the decades since, it has become an essential part of American Christmas culture. 
The now familiar story chronicles the life of George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart. George is a small town boy who, as he grows up, repeatedly puts his dreams of world travel and grand projects on hold. Instead, dutiful, selfless George Bailey sticks around Bedford Falls. He starts a family with his sweetheart, Mary, played by Donna Reed. He takes over his father's building and loan business, and he struggles to protect his hometown from the depredations of the heartless capitalist, Mr. Potter, played by Lionel Barrymore. Eventually, George has given so much of himself that he feels there's nothing left, prompting an intervention from an angel named Clarence, who shows George what life in Bedford Falls would have been like if he'd never been born. Here's a clip in which Clarence, played by Henry Travers, explains to George the nature of the supernatural experience that Clarence has bestowed upon him. Look, who are you? I told you, George, I'm your guardian angel. Yeah, yeah, I know, you told me that. What else are you? What are you? You a hypnotist? No, of course not. Well, then why am I seeing all these strange things? Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Well, if I wasn't born, who am I? You're nobody. You have no identity. Oh, what do you mean, no identity? My name's George Bailey. There is no George Bailey. You have no papers, no cards, no driver's license, no 4F card, no insurance policy. They're not there either. What? Zuzu's petals. You've been given a great gift, George. A chance to see what the world would be like without you. It's a Wonderful Life is available to stream on Amazon Prime, but I'll tell you, it's the colorized version, which I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, So I did pay $4 to rent it on iTunes, which made me feel very stupid since I could have gotten it for free, but I just couldn't watch the color version. So that's that. Mom, I don't know which version you watched, but is your life more wonderful after watching this movie? Yes, it is. Oh, this is a great one, isn't it? It is the best, but I had a choice of of either one. Was the was the non-colorized one? Oh, you had a choice? Yeah. When I fired it up on my Amazon, it just started barreled right into the colorized version. I didn't see any way to make a choice. Oh. So I spent $4 for nothing is what you're saying. Well, no, you got $4 worth of enjoyment. I paid them $4 to take away the color that they had put in, basically. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make much sense. I I happened, I did watch the colorized version. Oh, you did? I well, did. What, guys, it doesn't make that much difference, um, but uh, I don't care for the colorized version. It's neither here nor there. What do you love about this movie? Oh, what do I, I love, I love the scenes of the town with the cars and the snow it looks so very old fashioned but it looks very comfortable to me and and looks somewhat familiar not that i ever lived through um that exact scenario but close enough lived close enough to that kind of a feeling of mm-hmm. the town that bedford falls type town Everybody knows everybody. You're going to run into your neighbors. You're going to um, sort of shop in the same areas. So that I find very comforting and cozy. 
I think the story, it came from a, a, a little short story, actually, oh. um, that they, you know, blew up into this movie. And uh, I just think it tells a very inspiring tale of a, of a man that had dreams of, of something bigger than this little town that he grew up in with, with his, you know, traditional family. And, um, he, he wanted something bigger. He wanted to yeah. travel and go places and achieve things. And the circumstances of responsibility always pulled him back. And he never, he never did partake in his dreams um and in the end is is left feeling very despondent by the failure of a of a banking business that his father had started and then we have the scrooge element of the you know the the other i guess he was a banker right uh he was uh yeah Yes, I mean he was a businessman of all sorts. Um, yeah, a tycoon, tyrant, Mister Potter, uh, basically uh, capital personified. And what a performance by Lionel Barrymore as Mister Potter, who just makes your blood curdle every time he's on screen. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of nuance to the performance. It's just sort of a snarling, sniveling um, monster. Um, the choice to make him wheelchair bound is interesting. Yeah, I wonder about that. What was the rhyme or reason of that? Do you think? Uh, to me, it's a it's a staging decision. Uh, he's always in his throne, you know, wherever he is. Mm. He's always he's always the king of his castle as he imagines himself. Because um, they never reference his infirmity you know, or, or why he's right. in the chair. So I think that the chair is more important um, just as a set piece than the implication of uh, Mr. Potter's, uh, you know, whatever disability he may have that put him in that chair. And also, I guess, a vehicle, um, literally, to order people around, you know, push me, yeah. push me faster, mm. get me over there and yep. that kind of thing. Good point. Yes, he does that a lot. <clears throat> But yeah, Mr. Potter's Mr. Potter's amazing and just so deeply hateable. I think this is an incredibly well-made film. It is a very simple Oof. story. I'm not surprised yeah. to hear that it came from a short story and I I enjoy this movie as much as I did the first time seeing it and I tear yeah. up the same way and I you use the word inspiring <laughs> and it it is inspiring. And um I'll just talk about the craft. I want to talk about the meaning more, too. But just from a craftsmanship point of view, the writing of this script, it's a long movie. It's two hours and ten minutes uh, or thereabouts. Um, But the script is – there's not a single um, piece of dialogue that isn't doing double duty Um, And at some point over the movie. what What I mean by that is like – Early on, there's a flashback scene where George Bailey um, basically saves the local druggist from making a terrible mistake that would have um, killed someone. Um, And in the early stages of this conversation, there's reference to it being a charge account. Um, And then later at the end, big climax of the movie, um, when Mr. Gower is dumping money into the basket to save George— 
they make reference to a charge account. Every and it just sort of ties it back nicely to the flashback. Yeah. It feels like every little detail is used that way to give an extra um a sense of connectedness across time and richness to the experience of George Bailey. All the things that seem little and insignificant by the end turn into something more, and that's the whole thrust of the of the overall story, right? right. And that attention right. has been paid in every detail. I I love it. It's so well made. The direction by Frank Capra. I mean, he was Frank Capra, great director. Um, and this is one of his his best works. Uh, how much do you love Uncle Billy's Crow as basically a symbol for Mister Potter and symbol for you know impending doom? But I just love it's a pretty straightforward symbol. But that black crow showing up in the yeah. building and loan office whenever there's trouble. You know, and who who. Who thought of all these little yes. details that um, that just make it watertight? It's just <laughs> it's just the tightest yeah. ship that you could imagine. It is tight is the word for it because you're never there's never a moment where there isn't one of these little delights or I don't know it's just, it really tight is the word for it, Mom, because I couldn't look away for all two hours. And yeah. some of these scenes are pretty long. Um, yes. It's not yes. the really fast-paced filmmaking that we're used to today, where you're not going to have a scene longer than two minutes most of the time. Like some of these scenes take their time, and they're conversations that slowly develop, and Jimmy Stewart slowly builds up his um, his energy. You know, what about the scene in the boardroom where he, you know, he he wants to get out of there, but he just can't resist um, telling Mister Potter off as Mister Potter's trying yeah. to shut down the building and loan, and you can. Feel the build of energy, and this is part of Jimmy Stewart's great, great performance. Is you can feel and see the conflict within him, and the scene allows the time for that to build up, so that we're on, we're feeling that tension, and we're feeling George's conflict. Um, I love it, and, and I love it too. It, and it's exactly that's a good that's a good um, reference point when you think about the some of the movies that we have today, you know, the star Wars movies or the superheroes that are just in and they inundate you yeah. with uh, movement and action. And there's really not much story. It's just, you know, it's just attacking your senses. Yes. All you can do is react in that type of movie. And I think we'll both acknowledge that these are very different um, kinds of movies we're talking about, but yeah, there's there's a dearth of movies right now that allow you to take your time and form that slower emotional bond with the character. But it does pay off. It does pay dividends over the course of viewing a movie as it does in It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, I think yeah. if you can make it through this movie without um, <laughs> shedding a tear, I tip your cap to you. I mean, it's not like I was bawling, but I was feeling. Yeah, and it puts you in... Um this is exactly what I want from a Christmas movie. Mm. The triumph, the, you know, overcoming adversity. And even though it wasn't his dream in the end, he was shown what would have happened without him. And that had to be very gratifying (laughs) and rewarding. Right. Clearly it is. Yeah. And so to me, it's the perfect Christmas movie. I find it very relevant. Um, I sympathize with with part of George's 
struggle. Now, I did leave home and and um, pursue. And we're the... still crying about it. <laughs> and and pursue the career that I had dreamed of, but at the same time, um, I think that in in my generation, the millennial generation, there is a prevailing sense that the world we were promised when we were kids disappeared by the time we grew up and were able to live in it. And I feel that with TV in particular, for instance, like my dream was to be on TV. And um, I did that. But by the time I got to TV, TV wasn't what it was when I was a kid. Right. Um, And it's only it's only um, degrading further and further and becoming more um, pointillized and pixelated and, and broken up. And I dreamt of, of of a mass culture, right? That was what I grew up with. And you see it now. That's a very minor. I'm a very lucky person. I'm very uh, fortunate. You know, this is a minor thing. But I think in a more substantial way, a lot of people in my generation are growing up and seeing that the stable careers and the, um, you know, the opportunities that were touted to us when we were kids as just sort of built in, like, this is the basic cable of the American experience. This is the table stakes. It's what you get. And then we grow up into the gig economy and um, and just a degradation of institutions across the board, late-stage capitalism. Um, it's not what we had dreamed of. So I sympathize with George's, you know, visions of a grand life, and then the Depression happens. Um, and the you know, the market collapses and he has to stay home just to keep the building and loan together. And his uh, horizons become so much smaller. Right. I think that's an experience that even though this movie was made a long time ago, a lot of people watching today can sympathize with. Yeah. Well, let me see. Let me say this to you in watching The Crown. We just watched um, Prince Philip watch the um, astronauts land mm. on the moon and he is obsessed with that. And when they are coming to um, visit London, he, and the, and they're going to visit the queen. He asks, can he have a minute with them? You know, 15 minutes with them. Um, he's struggling with his purpose in life and he feels what they've achieved is, is so important and so grand and they so they go into a meeting room together and he's looking to them to have the answer, the one answer of what is this life all about? And they have the exact same question for him. Look what you've achieved, your prince. You live in this beautiful house, blah, 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 blah. So I think it's a struggle of mm. mankind, yeah. no matter what your age. Yeah, you're right. No matter what your achievement, you know, you can you can um, achieve great things uh, in the business world. But maybe you've sacrificed family. And in the end, to me, that's what's really important. Not how much is in your bank account, but it depends what's important to you. And instead of everybody making their own marker in that way, we we all accept that it's money and that's just not true for everyone. Yeah. We always used to love, uh, when Jimmy Stewart would hit the uh, cigarette lighter in the drugstore and 
He could say, I wish I had a million dollars. Hot dog. Now, why is that so funny? Why is it so funny when he says hot dog? I don't. Well, because it's so dated, I guess. But even purposely so, even at the time the movie was made, right? Because we're flashing back to when he was a kid in the 20s. But, God, it is so funny. Um, and I think a lot of it is Jimmy Stewart's performance. Like, there's so many little things he does to establish this character of George Bailey. And one of my favorites is um, there's an early scene where he encounters his brother at the dance party. Wonderful sequence, this dance party with the floor opening up and the Charleston contest. Um, But um, he encounters his brother and his brother, you know, says, hey, glad you finally showed up and grabs his necktie and pulls it out. Um, So it's flopping out of his suit jacket. Um, And just seconds later, once the attention has shifted from him, Jimmy Stewart just calmly tucks his tie back into his his jacket. And this is who he is. He's. He's a guy who imagines himself letting loose, and we see him imagining himself letting loose multiple times throughout the movie, but ultimately he's the guy who does tuck his tie back in and does the right, right. thing and the proper thing. Um, and in that one little motion made by Jimmy Stewart, it encapsulates so much of that uh, part of his character. Yeah, yeah, he is who he is. But don't you think we all do that? Don't you think we all wish we were the captain of the football team not all of us many of us but not all of us i don't think you meant i meant that you know symbolically yeah i know but i don't i don't wish to be the captain of the football team (laughs) i just think this has this has a lot of lessons it has a lot of values and uh it's a great family movie um there's just if you take the time to to watch it and savor it, I think you'll come away feeling good about the world for a little while at least. Donna Reed. My I, favorite. I feel like there are some people who who were just made for film, you know, who just yeah. through whatever layering of intrinsic beauty and and technology in film just that formula of Donna Reed on black and white film, nicely lit. It's just a magical vision. And I mean, I, I don't mean to just focus on her looks uh, because she she gives a great performance in this in this movie as well. But I'm yeah. just always struck by like, wow, here is a person who was made to be in this era of of motion pictures. I agree. Now, why do you love Donna Reed? I love Donna Reed because I grew up watching the Donna Reed show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that? A couple times with you. Yeah. Yeah. There was the American family that I wanted. Um, you know, the goofy brother and Mary was pretty and, you know, popular and all that stuff. And, you know, that was the family I wanted. Yeah, I never thought about that. Um, these these nuclear families that dominated 50s TV um, there was an aspirational aspect of that to you, for you, wasn't there? Most definitely. For many people, I imagine. You know, it was like something that, you know, talk about aspiring, you know, for a half an hour every week, I got to look at what I thought hmm. was a typical American family, not like my weird family. I bet there were a lot of kids watching it that way. It never occurred to me. 
Because, you know, when I was a kid, I fantasized about having uh, an alien from the planet Melmac as part of my family. (laughs) We were watching ALF, so it was a different thing altogether. (laughs) Well, you didn't have your brother, Merrick. (laughs) But not quite ALF. Not not ALF, no. Uh, You got anything else on It's a Wonderful Life, Mom? Nope. The only other thing I have is that to uh, once again tie into Sesame Street that Bert and Ernie were named after the uh, cab driver and the, was he a policeman? Yeah. Bert the cop and Ernie the cab driver. Yeah. So they were named after them? It, it's not just a coincidence? No, that's what I've read. Oh, okay. And I think it's pronounced Ernie, Mom. I'm pretty sure. I watched a documentary about that. Yeah. I'm going to let you have that one. Okay. Uh, so that's it. You got a fun fact for us to for to close it out? That's right. Okay. That's Mom, what is your grade for It's a Wonderful Life? A plus. A plus? Just one plus? Yes. Gee, that's good. Okay. I like that. All right. Uh, Mom, do you have a recommendation for us this week? I do. If you're looking for a gift for um, a child, the Frog and Toad books, there are, Johnny and I found that there are many different (laughs) versions of this, but any of them are very entertaining. I think the stories are enjoyable for adults as well as children. I I find them absolutely charming, and they're a little different. They're a little funny. They're a little, uh, but they're very real. That's not a good word. No, it is a good word. It is a good word. They're um, they're just so. Frog is uh, just a touch more sophisticated than Toad. And it's just they have this relationship as friends. Um, Toad is a bit simple. Frog's just a little bit less simple. But they're both figuring out the world together. I just think it's an energy and a pair of characters that little kids can really relate to. Um, they they confront the world with a very simple logic, but it is logic. So you right. can follow their reasoning. And, and it's 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 really good. And as, as you read them... Um, a surprising sophistication and depth of um, emotion in these simple stories. I'm thinking in particular of one story where Toad um, wants to go swimming with Frog, but doesn't want anybody to see him in his swimsuit because he thinks he looks silly. And that's, I've pretty much just told you the whole story. Um, But the, it just, I can see my kids doing something like this, you know, like I, the author, Arnold Lobel, I feel like really understood kids. From what I understand, he created these characters when he was himself a little boy, a second oh. grader. Um, so I think that's part of it. But we love the frog and toad stories. And I agree with you. It's a great gift. Yeah, there's a there's a several books, apparently, that have many of the stories in them. So I think any. Any any child would just be delighted with these stories. With any of them, yeah. I will any say um, we have Frog and Toad storybook favorites, um, and I believe this includes all of the stories. As far as I can tell, it, it includes all four Frog and Toad books, but 
Go to the bookstore. You'll find the frog and toad ones, and any of them will do. It's super confusing to try to be a completist about it, so maybe don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, Mom, that's going to do it for the year. Wow. Yeah, we'll be off because I'm traveling for Christmas. So, um, Boo. Yeah, sorry. We'll be off next week, and we won't have anything uh, for New Year's Eve. But I'll tell you what, Mom, we'll be back in January with our 100th episode. Oh, really? Yep, our next episode is number 100. Can you believe it? I can't. We made it. With a few stops and starts along the way, <laughs> we're going to... Actually, I shouldn't knock wood. We'll make it. Yeah. There you <laughs> I go. I say anything us. yet. <laughs> the, I, I may have aroused the curse of the checks mix by saying we made it. But we'll Boy. be back in January. Hey, if you're going home from the holidays, we really appreciate... We really appreciate when you tell your friends and family about the podcast. It's just, it's our most effective way of spreading the word. So we'd love it if you're home. Um, just steal your loved one's uh, devices and subscribe them to the Pop Mom, or you can just tell them about it. Either way, we're happy. Um, but remember to spread the word if you love the podcast. We sure do appreciate it. We're thinking of you. Mom, I think you'll agree. We are so thankful for um, the listeners whether we hear from you or not, we're so uh, happy to have you. And we've enjoyed corresponding with you this year with the contests and just with your emails and tweets. Um, it makes me really happy. And I think you too, mom. Most definitely. Always love to hear from our fans and thank you each and every one of you. Hey mom, uh, before we go, uh, what are we going to talk about next year? Oh, everything interesting. Everything, everything interesting. Thanks for listening. We love you, Mom, and I will talk to you again next year. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you, too.